So this morning, uh, we will be talking about grace. Grace. Uh, when I was thinking about grace and um, what comes to mind, the first thing I thought about was praying before you eat. So when I think about grace, it's the first thing that pops in my head. It was a joke that I found online that said this American asked this Frenchman one time, hey, um, why don't you guys say grace? And he said, because we can cook. <laughs> That's one for me. So grace, grace. But obviously there's something deeper. Grace is also known as a name of a woman. I'm like, oh, you know Grace? Yeah, I know Grace. I know a Grace. You may know someone that knows of a Grace. It's just a name. But is there something deeper to this whole concept of grace that we interact with in Scripture? That we know what it is. And talk with my wife, <clears throat> my wife gently nudged me about this message and about grace. And what my wife said was, hey, Donovan, don't just talk about grace, but talk from it. And I had to bump up against that and start asking questions. What makes it so hard for me to talk about grace this morning? And one of the first things that popped in my mind was like, grace is vulnerable. Grace for me is very vulnerable. I want to earn everything that I have. I want to be able to say that I've done everything that I could possibly do to get what I have in my life. I want to be in control of everything so I don't feel like everything is outside of control. Like I, I want to make sure that I'm the captain of my own ship. And not because I want to lord over anybody, but I just want to make sure things happen the way that I want them to happen. I'm a person that complains a lot. I'm more like Jonah sometimes than Jesus. I'm afraid, I get scared, I doubt myself all of the time. I'm a, I'm a person that has been told so many lies that I'm still battling today. So when I start talking about grace, I go, God, is it still applied to me? And the answer is yes. God's grace still applies to me. And God's grace still applies to you no matter where you find yourself. No matter how low you feel that you are, God's grace is for you. And not only does God's grace find you, it scoops you up. And it puts you back on your feet. And even for someone that's standing in front of you today, as the preacher of the morning, I'm letting you know I still have to grab onto grace every single day. Because there's so many things that has happened in my life that causes me to think that I'm something different. But God's grace says that I'm a new creation. And he says the same thing about you. So when we talk about grace this morning, it's hopefully it's going to be very vulnerable for you. Hopefully it's going to be very raw for you. Some things are going to start coming up in you, start welling up in you, where you go, I'm undeserving of this. But that's exactly where grace meets us. In the place where we know that we're undeserving. So I don't stand before you guys as someone that has grace fully figured out and thought through. I'm standing here saying we're in this together. So let's talk about grace. Grace, as someone define, defines it online, is the unmerited favor or kindness shown to one who is utterly undeserving. It is not merely a free gift but a free gift to those who deserve the exact opposite. 
and it is given to us while we are without hope and without God in this world. Talking about this raw, this vulnerability and all this, I want to talk about God's grace. Again, that's the first thing I'm talking about is God's grace. In Genesis, we see a picture of this. So in Genesis uh, chapter three, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, sin enters into the world, and then God starts having this conversation with Adam, with Eve, and then with the serpent. And he says this to the serpent in verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. A little before this, Adam and Eve um, ate this fruit. And uh, one of the first things that they did was they ran and hid. Bible tells about like the shame that they felt. They're like, we're naked, God. Like, you can't see me. And the same thing I kind of described about my life, like as, as I open myself up as someone that, that has struggled with so many things and still does struggle with so many things, it's like, don't look at me. Don't, don't, don't see, don't, don't truly see who it is that I am because I guarantee if you see it, you won't like it. So Adam and Eve is in this place where they're like, God, you're perfect. You can't look at us like we're naked. There's this shame and this guilt that they feel. And God starts talking to them. And this is one of the first places that we see grace in the Bible because God looks at the serpent and goes, I'm, I'm going to send something to crush your head. I, I know what you've done in the midst of all of this, but I'm going to have the last say in this. Jesus was not the afterthought when it comes to our salvation. Jesus was the first option. And this is what this is talking about. This is talking about Jesus coming to make all things right. So in the midst of Adam and Eve feeling shame, feeling guilt, feeling naked, wanting to distance himself from God, God enters in and goes, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to make sure that you have a pathway back to me. In this, in Christendom, this, this verse is known as the Proto-Evangelium, which is our first good news. So even in the midst of sin and darkness and shame, God steps right in and goes, I am going to make this right. I'm going to crush the head of the serpent. And the only thing he's going to do is bruise the heel. So who is that talking about? Let's talk about Jesus. Right here in the first chapters of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, we see God setting off a plan to make sure that his grace abounds. And it's not because humankind has done anything to deserve it. It's all because of God's unmerited favor toward humankind because he loves us that much. That we committed acts that cause us to separate from him, but he's the one that initiates the contact between us to come back into relationship. God's grace is so, so amazing. Later on in, in verse 21, <clears throat> we see that not only does God put this into motion, he says, all right, my grace is not only um, going to come to you, I have a plan. He also says, my grace is going to be enacted now. And the Bible says that he put animal skins over them. He provided animal skins for them. And there's so much that happens in this verse. We can't unpack it all. But I do want to point this out. Those animal skins are there because, again, Adam and Eve was feeling shame and guilt because of their skin, because of their sin. But God clothed them. 
God covered all of that shame. He covered all of that guilt because of his grace and his love for them. So they didn't have to walk around in, in their, in cower because of their sin. God goes, I will cover you. I know you were the one that did what you did, but I, I'm going to cover you. God's amazing, amazing grace is not just for Adam and Eve, but it's also for you and I. God sees us in our sinful state. God knows the places in our hearts and our minds and even through our hands, the things that we've done that we go, I don't want anybody to see it. And he goes, I've, I've devised a plan and his name is Jesus. And then we go, God, but God, you don't know the shame. You don't know the guilt. You don't know what I've experienced. And God goes, I will cover you. God's grace, his amazing grace, not only meets us, but it picks us up and sets us right back on our feet. And it's all because he loves us. God's grace is not just uh, something that God kind of does. It's a quality that he possesses. Imagine an almighty king over a kingdom. Let's just say I'm the king, right? Because I, I like putting myself in those positions, right? Let's say I'm the king. I'm the king. I have this kingdom, all this other stuff, everything that's around me. I have these things that I want to do, put in place, these stuff that I want to make sure that things get happen and all this other stuff. And God's grace is like that. this king says, every single person that is deemed inferior, that is deemed undeserving, that is deemed like they can't pay it back, they can't even work for anything, God's grace says, I'm going to give them all that they need. It's like a king saying, I'm not going to go forth and do the things that I want to do. I'm going to do things to help those that cannot help themselves. Even when they push back against me. Even when they go against the perfection. Even when they willfully sin. God's grace is amazing. He's a king. He is holy. And yet he still says, in your sinful state, there's grace. Because it's who he is. It's not just what he does. It's a quality that God possesses, that God has within him, that freely is given to each and every one of us. And how do we know that God is a God full of grace is because we see Jesus. He sent him for us. A theologian said <clears throat> that God's grace can't merely be understood intellectually, but it has to be experienced. God's grace cannot merely be understood intellectually. It has to be experienced. Then he goes on to talk about this idea of grace is almost like staring into a thousand suns. We got one and you can, you know, you advise not to stare into it, but it's almost like there's a thousand of them and you're trying to figure out what grace truly is because the question that I feel like we always ask is the question that I always ask, God, why do you love me? Why do you have grace for me? I know myself. So we're trying to figure grace out but it's because we can't always just completely intellectually understand it, but we have to experience it. Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament experienced God's grace. 
So if you don't know the story, Abraham um, and Sarah are, are two people in the Old Testament. And God is like, hey, y'all gonna have a baby. And Abraham was like, yo, we 90. God, I know you made us. But I don't know if you know how this thing worked. Like we, you know, we, we up there, Lord. And God is like, y'all gonna have a baby. And then we would think they would go, okay, cool. We believe you. They was like, nah, that's not happening. Not only are we 90, like, you know, it's not going to happen. Then they took matters into their own hands. They started making decisions for themselves. They started doing things outside of what God told them that he would do, knowing that God is a promise-keeping God. They still made their own decisions. Went in the opposite direction. And guess what God did? Kept his promise. Gave him grace. Walked with them. Forgave them. Loved them. So you're talking to Abraham and Sarah, then you would go like, do you understand? And they go, yes, I understand it, but I also have experienced it. Let's grab Moses for a second. Moses was very flawed. I know we like Prince of Egypt. That was a good movie. When you read the word of God, Moses was a very flawed man. Moses was arrogant. He was stubborn. He was doubtful. But yet God walked with him and he blessed him. Not because of Moses deserved it, but because of his unmerited favor, his love for Moses, he just gave it to him. And then we see Jesus. Jesus showed grace to his disciples. Talk about Peter. Peter's one of those disciples that just pops off. Just kind of does what he wants to do, says what he wants to say. And everybody has to be like, Jesus, like Peter, chill out, man. Like, relax. And God looks at Peter, the same man as just a wild card, and goes, come follow me. Looks at Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. It's very possible that Matthew stole money from people. It's very possible that he was a thief just taking all extra taxes all over the place. In his undeserving state, God looks at him and goes, follow me. God's grace is experienced. But for all of those people, and even for us, God's grace not only met them, but it scooped them up. Abraham and Sarah didn't just experience God's grace and kind of walked along. No, it gives them strength and it gives them power to continue to move on in this newness of life. For Moses, it constantly scooped him up to put him back on his feet to continue to do what God has called him to do. With Peter and with Matthew, it doesn't just kind of happen. It scooped them up and gave them what they needed to do what God has called them to do. God's grace is amazing. Another theologian has written, grace is a five-letter word that is often spelled J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. The embodiment of grace to go to the cross for our sins, to a people that are undeserving, that still choose to do what we want to do, God still says, I'm going to favor you and love you. And not only am I going to tell you, I'm going to show you. 
so that you can experience it. Sin comes, has entered into the world and creation, creating this chasm, creating this, this distance between us and a perfect God. How can people who are imperfect get in the mix with somebody that's perfect? Is it about works? Can we work ourselves into it? Well, the question is, okay, how many good things have, do you have to do to meet perfection after you've already missed perfection? It can't be reached. So the, the thing is, God, the one who was perfect, has to create a mechanism for us to be able to get back to him because he's the perfect one. And grace is like this bridge that God has created for us to walk across to get to him over this chasm, over this canyon, so that we can walk across safely. And it's not just a flimsy bridge, you know, like Indiana Jones, where you kind of wobbling and stuff like that. You hope you make it to the other side. No, 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 no. God's grace is sturdy. It's sure. Because it's from a person, from someone who is perfect. It's a sturdy bridge that we can walk across to experience God's love and his fullness and his amazing, amazing love for us. So again, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, or even what's been done to you, God's grace is for you. There's no coincidence that you're here today listening to this message. It can hit or it cannot hit. But one thing that I want all of us to remember is God's grace is accessible to each and every one of us, regardless of how life has treated us in spite of how we've experienced life, in spite of the things that we've done, God's grace is present because he loves us immensely. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. Again, it's one of the hardest things for me to accept. The hardest things for me to accept. One of the questions I have is, God, you don't know what people have said to me. He knows. But that's what you feel on the inside. Guys, you don't know all the times that I've messed up. God, I know you saw it, but you don't really know the times I tried to fail out of, out of college because I thought it was too hard. God, God, you don't know when I, when I heard you tell me to, to do something or to speak to someone and I just kind of cowered away. God, you don't, you don't really understand the, the weight of what it felt like for teachers and other people that I looked up to look at me and tell me that I was going to amount to nothing. You don't know what it was like, God, to have family members speak death into my life and have me question my mere existence. God, you don't know what it was like to have a father just leave you. And God looks at that and goes, and my grace is sufficient for you, son, I love you. No matter what has been told to you, I love you. No matter what you've experienced, I love you. No matter what you think about yourself, I love you. And there's something in me, and I don't know if you have the same thing, but something in me that wants to push back up against it, but again, it's like that grace scoops you up. God sends people in our lives to remind us how much he loves us just the way that we are. God loves you even in you trying to be perfect. Trying to cross uh, every T and dot every I. 
You want people to, you don't want to appear like a person that doesn't know what they're doing. You want to appear like a person that's in charge, but really is scared on the inside. God goes, my grace is for you. I love you. Even when you mess up, not if. When you mess up, know I love you. And there's nothing that can separate it because it comes from a holy God who's perfect. And it's just because of who he is, not because of what we've done. So not only is God grace, <clears throat> this expansive thing that he has in and of himself, God's grace flows from us to others. God's grace can flow from us to others. We are instruments of God's grace. We're conduits of God's grace. Tell y'all a story. So we get, uh, came back from a trip in Ethiopia, mission trip in Ethiopia. It was an amazing trip. Loved it. Very life-changing. On this trip, and for everybody went to Ethiopia, you, you're going to hear this story again. So I uh, told it a couple times because it really changed me. So we're in Ethiopia, and we're visiting one of the homes of what we call the beneficiaries. So what the beneficiaries are, uh, are these people that um, probably are impoverished, impoverished. They have medical conditions. Um, they, they don't have too much work or they're trying to get back on track. So we're in this, this room, basically. The whole house is like this room. And we're sitting with this family. So mom, it's her daughter and her daughter had another child. So we're sitting in there and, um, the mom just very blatantly just, you know, is venting about what's going on, how displeased she is about life. Then she goes on to start talking about how her, how her daughter is kind of a pain spot for her. I think there was conversations about her being disappointed that her daughter had a child and how she was kind of irresponsible. And you look at this daughter, the daughter, and she's just crying, just broken. Because I think she feels that shame and that guilt of, of not being able to measure up to what her mom wants. And it was so much happening. The mom could, couldn't work with things that were just really going on. And, and she was just pouring all of this toward this young girl with her baby. She even talks about like uh, the daughter being kind of coerced or, or, or somebody manipulating her to get her to have this baby. So we don't exactly know what happened at the conception of this baby. But we're sitting in this room and I'm praying, God, what do we say? We're trying so hard to say, hey, your daughter's a blessing. This baby is a blessing. Like, like don't worry about the other stuff. We'll, we'll keep working with you, working with Dr. Frey to make sure you get the things that you need. But this woman is just kind of like, okay, but it's hard, but it's hard, but it's hard. And I'm sitting there going, God, what, what, what's going on? This, this girl, the daughter is looking at one of our uh, teammates named Carol. And she keeps looking at her and looking at her and looking at her. And she's like, huh, something happened. I don't remember what happened. But she goes, are you the teacher that was teaching here in 2019, the last trip that we took? And she was like, oh my goodness, you're one of my students. And they started embracing. I'm going, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because it was so tense in that room. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hey, everybody's happy now. Like, hey, let's enjoy ourselves. So I look at that and I go, and I've been thinking about that so much and it changed my life. And I'm like, how much does God love this little girl that he would take Carol on a mission trip in 2019 and put her in the exact place that she needed to be so that she could be reminded of how much he loves her? We didn't have to be in the same group. 
The woman didn't have to be home. Carol didn't have to be in a group that we were in. It was so many different possibilities. But God saw fit that at the right moment and at the right time that Carol be used as an instrument of his grace and his love toward this little girl and for her child. God's grace is so expansive. And I thank God for Carol and her heart for missions for wanting to go because you have to be in those positions to be used. But at the same time, the credit has to go to God because he orchestrates all of that together. So I rejoice. We rejoiced with this daughter saying, no, you are not a mistake. And this very, this very meeting right now is proof to not just you, but to the team that God loves you more than you can ever think or imagine that he would orchestrate someone come from all the way from America at the right time and place just to remind you that he loves you. And Carol embraced her and talked about her being a, a shining student that she was able to come throughout the week. Like, it, it, this is not coincidence. But we can be instruments of God's grace for other people. Yesterday, um, Raquel and I and, and Audrey uh, got a chance to, to be with our brothers and sisters in York City at a, at a little like tent revival. It was a, just an amazing time for the community. And during that time, Raquel had an opportunity to talk to a young woman that moved up from Philadelphia with her four kids. In that moment, Raquel was, was able to, to speak life into her, but then also just to hear her story. And then potentially, we'll be able to hopefully help her with some things along the way. And I look at that and I go, God, we could have been anywhere else. She could have been anywhere else. But you saw fit to put us right in the exact same spot that we needed to be. Raquel in the exact same spot that she needed to be so that you can show this girl how much you love her. We're being used as instruments of God's grace to, sh to show and to remind people how much he loves them. And the last story I'll tell is, for me, when I got saved, I've told the story a couple of times, so you may know not know, but I'll be very brief. So I'm wilding out as a young man. Long story short, <clears throat> I'm at this, this service. Um, I go up to the front because they ask for prayer. I told y'all before, my mom was having a Baptist fit in the back. Praising God, shouting hallelujah, all that stuff, because she know where I was. Get down to the front. And the past had everybody praying for me. So they're praying, we're doing all this other stuff. So everybody goes back to their seat. And it was this man. I don't, I, I don't remember specifically what he looked like, or I don't remember his name, but he was, I just remember he was a bigger man. And this man just engulfed me. Just like swallowed me. And I was in nooks and crevices. <laughs> just grabbed me in. And he grabbed me and he held me. The service still going on. We just in the front. That's not unusual. As some churches, just right there. Everybody's like, all right, we gonna keep praising God. Let them do what they're doing. So he's grabbing me. I'm I'm crying and snotting all over his face. And I mean, not his face, his shirt. Sorry, I was on his face. It was a shirt. So I'm snotting and crying all over the place. And I'm like, how God? How must you love me that you would send this man, knowing how it hurts to not have my father in my life? to hold me and let me cry. He was God's arms for me. Reminded me how much he loves me and his grace has given to me. We can be instruments of God's grace for other people. God's grace 
is also for each and every one of us. So God's grace to us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Remember, I exposed myself and told you I like to be in control. I like to earn. But we can't earn God's salvation. We can't earn his grace. It's a free gift given to us. And I thank God that it's a free gift given to us because there's no amount of things that I could do to hit perfection. We would drive ourselves crazy trying to hit perfection, but God saw fit that he would send his son Jesus down to die on the cross, to die a death that we should have died in order that we can live. It's not by the stuff that we do that makes God love us. There's not things that we can do to make God love us more. He loves us because he loves us. And it's because of his grace, this unmerited favor to people who are undeserving. And it's because it's just who he is. God loves you. He loves you. So for the person here that doesn't know Jesus, don't wait to clean yourself up. You can't. And I'm speaking from experience. God is saying his grace is for you today. His love is for you today. And the only thing we have to do is just believe in him. Really quickly, I'm, I'm coming to an end, but um, just show of hands and online, you can put it, it's me. But show of hands, how many people have experienced God's grace and turned over their life to Jesus? Experiencing this new life. And online, you can do the same thing. For those that have not, all of these are testimonies of God's grace. We all have different things that we've done, which is people that are trying to figure it out just like you. And the one thing we want to say to you is join our family because it's our father that makes us who we are, not ourselves. God loves you. And lastly, is a tale of two trees. The tale of two trees. In the beginning, we see the tree that Adam and Eve ate from. Adam and Eve ate this fruit and sent into this the world. Complete, utter darkness. Separation from God. But then you have this other tree. And this other tree is the cross. Where sin and darkness reign, the cross shines that bright light. The cross is a picture of that grace, that God's grace that not only meets you, but scoops you up and puts you back on your feet. So today, you don't have to live in the old man. You don't have to live in your past, but you can stand as someone being created new because of what Jesus has done for you. And he displayed that on the cross. So let us not forget what the cross symbolizes for us. Because it is in us remembering what Jesus has done that we will get the power to continue to live for him.